going to take a little bit of a sidetrack. We've been in the uh, Beatitudes in the book of Matthew. And for those of you who came here this morning to hear Kai preach, uh, Kai uh, uh, made fun of me this week and I've kicked him out of the pulpit uh, <laughs> until he learns more respect. No, um, Kai's laptop got stolen uh, on, fri- on Wednesday night. And uh, so we, um, uh, that's where his sermon was, was on that laptop. And so uh, we got, uh, we put out a little reward. Uh, We'll pay you $750 if you give back the laptop you stole. Um, And so it's a great way to make money, by the way, steal something from the church and then just turn it in for a reward. Uh, Awesome. I think I'm going to go into a life of crime. Anyway, we got the laptop back uh, yesterday afternoon. And uh, yep. Yay. And all the information was wiped off it. Yay. Okay. So uh, we're going to work hard to get that information back. Uh, So what we're going to do this morning is take a little sidetrack from the Beatitudes. And we're going to go into the book of Luke. Luke chapter 17. Uh, It's going to be just a little bit different this morning. Uh, There's no overhead uh, except this lovely picture of the way of the ocean. Uh, And and there's no handout. So you guys are going to have to be totally mentally sharp this morning. Okay? We're going to talk about uh, thankfulness since it's Thanksgiving week. And uh, we're going to talk about some lepers that Jesus met on the road. He healed 10 of them and only one of them was thankful. It's in Luke chapter 17, starting in verse 11. And what we're going to do is we're going to go through this verse by verse. And we're going to see what truths we can unlock out of this section of scripture for our own lives. Luke chapter 17, uh, verse Golly, you know what? There we go. Okay. (laughs) Starting in verse 11. Now, on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and they called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priests. As they went, they were cleansed. One of them When he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return to give praise to God except for this foreigner? Then Jesus said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. While we're there, you can keep um, one finger on Luke chapter uh, Uh, 17 there and you can also uh, in I want to make sure I'm at the right spot there's another section of Luke I want you to turn to uh, uh, Luke chapter 5 or 4 you can turn to Luke chapter 4 and just kind of keep it there if you don't have a Bible there should be one in the pew in front of you and if you need one to take home we have some in the information table in the back uh, after the service so let's break this down Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem this is Jesus' last trip to Jerusalem. He's going there to die. And so what he's doing is he's kind of coming through uh, Israel like this. It's like a big S. And at this uh, point, he's left Galilee, and he's going in between Galilee and Samaria. It's a perfect picture of what Jesus came to do. He, he came to save all of us. 
not just Galileans, not just uh, uh, Samaritans. So he's on his way and he's traveling uh, uh, along the border between Samaria and Galilee. In verse 12, it says he was going into a village. Ten men who had leprosy met him and they stood at a distance. Now, when I open up the word of God and I begin to look at it, kind of give you some insight on how I tend to study it. I love asking myself question after question after question. To me, it opens up more of the word than if I just kind of read it and go, oh, okay. Like, what was the village Jesus was going into? Does it mention what village it is? Is that village mentioned anywhere else? Can we get any more insight into what Jesus is doing? Why is he going into this village? And as we read about it, we realize it never mentions the village. And so you go, well, why, why, then why did you ask yourself that question? Because it sheds light on right now in Jesus' ministry, what he's saying and what he's doing is much more important than where he is. And we're going to see this as we begin to look through this section of Scripture uh, uh, that it, 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 it's going to be a big deal. He's going into this village and 10 men who had leprosy met him. What I'd like to do, I don't mean to put you guys on the spot, but could you five stand up? And then Kim, if you and your daughter could stand up and then Kai and Candy, Kai, since you uh, were going to be part of the service anyway this morning, you might as well. And Dustin, stand up. Okay, two, four, six, eight, ten. Ten. Ten people right there. Now imagine, you guys can sit down. Sorry about that. I, it's like half an hour later, I'm like, oh my goodness, no, please. Uh, now imagine a group about that size, all with leprosy. Now leprosy starts out as a little small white, little bit of flakes. Lisa and I rescued this kitten uh, like four weeks ago, and the kitten had this fungus called ringworm. Ringworm is not a worm, by the way. I know that because... I've had it now. Uh, And and so you get this fungus and it starts itching, uh, you know, and you get these little marks. That's the closest I've come to having leprosy. Uh, Thank the Lord. And that's the closest I'll ever come to rescuing a kitten again. Uh, So if I see a kitten, just right on the back of your flap, call me if there's a kitten and I'll call you because... I'm letting the kitten go and give ringworm to you if you'd like that, okay? So here are these 10 people, a pretty good-sized group of men, and they all have leprosy. Now, we have to understand, believe me, we'll get, this is going to mean something. Back then, to have leprosy meant your life was over, absolutely over. Throughout the scripture, leprosy is an example of what sin does. And this is the word picture we're going to be seeing through this section of scripture and why this guy at the very end was as thankful as he was. And it'll make us question, where were the other nine? It's one of the questions Jesus asked. So uh, leprosy had a tremendous, uh, tremendously horrific impact on your life. It would go, it would start out very small and you'd have to go to the priest and he would go, oh man, yep, you got leprosy. And it was a long process. First they'd isolate you. They'd wait seven days. You come back, if it was spreading, another seven days. And finally, they would call you unclean. And you were cast out of the city. Now, to be cast out of the city meant you got no way to take care of yourself. We've been talking all these weeks about being poor in spirit. Well, if you had leprosy, all you could do was hang out with other lepers. Total depravity. You can't get a job. 
If you have kids, you can't touch them. You can't be around them. As a matter of fact, Leviticus chapters 13 and 14 go into a long thing about what you had to do if you had leprosy. A long involved process. If you found leprosy on, a, on one of your articles of clothing, there was a long process of keeping the, clo- the clothing with the priest and then he'd check on it and it was just horrible. And these guys had it. Ten people, totally isolated from their family. They wanted to hug their kids? No. Wanted to hug their wife? No, nothing. They're just around other lepers. And it's an example of what sin does to us. Listen to what Leviticus 13.45 says. The person with such an infectious disease must wear torn clothes. Let his, uh, his hair be unkept. Cover the lower part of his face and cry out, unclean, unclean. As long as he has the infection, he remains unclean. He must live alone. He must live outside the camp. This is what I want us to see this morning, and we're going to see it in detail. In our sin, we're unclean. We got nothing. We're totally outside of community with God. We're totally depraved, right? We don't have to be there. We don't have to stay there. See, the, they had to go around, unclean, unclean. You had to cover your mouth. You couldn't spread it. It was contagious. And some of us in our sin, the, the enemy is shouting in our ears, unclean, unclean. You're prideful. What did you do this weekend? It brings shame. There's a lot of connections between leprosy and, and uh, sin. I want to go through them real quickly. Some similarities. First, leprosy starts small. It starts as just a little flake. No big deal. Just a little white flake. Brush it off, whatever. Maybe you can just cleanse it. It's gone. No big deal. But once it takes hold, it begins to eat away at the flesh. And what really does the number on you with leprosy is that your extremities become numb. It's not that it just eats away at your flesh. It's that you can't, you don't know if you're sticking your hand in a fire, just kind of kicking back. And so they used to think that it was just the flesh would just erode, but really it was just, you know, whacking it against something and not knowing. And then there, it opens, a, a, a cut opens up and then it gets infected and there's no way to get rid of it. And so you, your extremities get numb and your ears uh, get dull and they, you get that cauliflower ear. They get huge and your eyes swell up and it affects your larynx. So it's very difficult to talk. Your body displays this disease in just the most ugliest of ways. So it starts out small. Second thing is it spreads quickly. It spreads quickly. It hinders us from sensitivity. Sin hinders us from sensitivity, so does leprosy. You can't hear as well or see as well. Ephesians 4.17 has a wonderful depiction of the leprosy of sin. Here's what it says. It says, so I tell you this, and I insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer, like that? Pulpit pounder, that's what I am. And insist on, I didn't mean to do that, I apologize. Insist on the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. And it goes into this description. They're darkened in their understanding. They're separated from a life of God. They're outside the city. They can only hang with other lepers. 
because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. They've, having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. You, however, did not come to know Christ in that way. Separated. Lost all sensitivity. This is where these lepers were in their life when Jesus comes along. So they call out in a loud voice, it says in verse 13, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. Jesus, Master, have pity on us. I want us to see three things out of this verse right here. And notice the progression. There's another thing about leprosy and sin that are combined. There's only one way to heal it. And that's through the power of God. And so the lepers know this. And so instead of for one time not say unclean, unclean, they say Jesus in their raspy larynx voice. Jesus! Master! See, they, they knew, somehow they knew about Jesus. Even being outside the city. Because see, in Luke chapter 5, Jesus had healed another leper. And he told that leper, shh, don't mention anything. Because Jesus knew his time had not come yet. Now, Jesus heals 10 lepers and says, go get them, guys. Go tell the priests. Get the word out. So they show up. They say, Jesus. They say somehow knew, even being outside the city, that Jesus had the power to heal. And to me, this represents uh, 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 people who know they've heard about Jesus, but it's just those blasted Christians <laughs> that make it difficult. Have you ever misrepresented Christ in a way where you went back going, oh man, I wish I hadn't done that. I know I have. It's not that Jesus couldn't heal the person. It's just that I wasn't a very good representation of it. They come and they say the first words, the most important words, Jesus. They don't have anything else to offer. When you got leprosy, you were the epitome of poor in spirit as we've been reading in the Beatitudes. And they cry out to Jesus. There is only one way those people are going to get saved from their leprosy. And it's Jesus. There's only one way we're going to be saved from our sin. And it's Jesus, what he did on the cross. But it's the second word that's the most important. Because see, everybody at that time knew Jesus had power. Remember we were talking about the people saw the bread, the feeding of the 5,000. They saw those, that happened. And remember they went back to him. We talked about this uh, in the last couple weeks. Hey, Jesus, whip us up some more bread. Everyone wanted Jesus to do a miracle. The Pharisees, right after this, and, and as we, you keep going in Luke chapter 17, they're talking about, hey, when's the kingdom of God? What, you know what? Come on, do something. In Luke chapter 4, which is what we're going to go to in just a little bit, uh, everyone was talking great about Jesus, and then he starts, he starts doing what he does. He starts needling them a little bit, and then they want to kill him, right? Everyone knew he had the power. None of the Pharisees ever questioned Jesus' power. It was the master part. That, that's the operative word. If I want Jesus to help me, if I want Jesus to save me, if I want Jesus to perform a miracle, I, I, it can't just be for the Jesus part. There's the master part. Everyone wanted the power. Nobody wanted to bow down and worship him. Master is the operative word. They cry out to Jesus. See, 
with leprosy, you can see your need. It's pretty easy to see your need. With sin, it's not. You know, the only time master is used in the book of Luke is when the disciples were talking to Jesus. The disciples and these lepers both understood their need. So he says, they say, Master, and the third thing they say is, have pity on us. A total understanding of our depravity and spirit. You know, since we started doing this thing on the Beatitudes, it starts out with, blessed are the poor in spirit. I can't get away from that. It, it has to do with every other Beatitude of us understanding just what a state we're in without Jesus. But I meet many people and, 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 and they'll raise their hand and say, I, I want Jesus until we get to the master part. Oh, wait, I just I have to give this up. I have to give that up. I have to lay down my life. I have to take up my cross. I have to mourn. I have to be meek. I just want the Jesus part. I don't want the master part. But these guys understood. They said, have pity on us. They knew it took a work from God. So he goes Uh, They say that, and Jesus just says one thing to them. He says, go show yourself to the priest. This is Luke chapter 17, verse uh, 14. And as they went, they were cleansed. As they began to take that step of obedience, it started working. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? What happens in leprosy is that as the the bacteria eats away your flesh and everything becomes numb, your body begins to absorb your, your fingers again. I, I, this is really disgusting, but it begins to absorb starting from the tips of your fingers back into your body because the, the, it gets to the bone marrow. And so, and so you've got these open wounds, open sores. You can barely talk. You're, you're, you, you can't see. Your eyes are puffed up. And all of a sudden, as you begin to go towards the priest, you start to become whole again. You literally become a new creation. You, you start out disgusting and, 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 and having nothing to all of a sudden, as you begin to walk down that road toward the priest, you're going, this is awesome. Is that exactly like our life in Christ? We cry out, we say, Jesus, Master, have pity on me. And we begin to enter into this relationship, this walk towards the priest in obedience There's just one command Jesus gave to them, and it was the command out of Leviticus. Remember, Jesus came to fulfill the law, not to demolish the law. And so he does what the law says. Once you've been cleansed of leprosy, go see the priest. He's the only one that can pronounce you unclean, I mean, or or clean or unclean. So he he tells them to do that. This is what else he's doing. Imagine at this time in Jesus' ministry, if you're a priest in, in Israel, the last thing you want to hear is another miracle Jesus did. So you're sitting in your priestly office, kicking back, going over their message for the Sabbath, you know, going, all right. All of a sudden, someone knocks on your door. Hey, I, I need to be told I'm clean. All right, open the door and, hey, Joe, I pronounced you unclean months ago. What happened? Jesus. Oh, not that guy again. Not Jesus. No, what happened, really? What happened? Jesus. Ten lepers go. Now, remember, they're between Galilee and Samaria. So not only are lepers going to Galilee, but they're also going to Samaria. Jesus is taking this witness of this healing, and he's spreading it all over Israel. 
with these ten lepers. It's not unlike our walk with Jesus, is it not? Once we're healed, once we see we're, we're become a new creature and we start on this journey and we're being cleansed and, and we begin to enter into this relationship with God, we, can't, we are the gospel. We begin to share it. We begin to go, let me tell you what Jesus did. So he tells him, go show yourself to the priest. Now one of them, when he was healed, when he saw that he was healed, turned around. Now listen, this is a big deal. I know it's just one little section of scripture, but I want you to understand what it means for that leper. Because he's in total isolation. He's hanging around a bunch of other lepers. It's disgusting. It smells. Lepers smelled, by the way. And when we talk about, uh, when we get back into the book of Matthew next week, uh, after a little while, we'll go into Jesus healing a leper and we'll get into this a little more. But they stunk and they hung around each other. The thing you wanted to do most of anything was get to that priest so he could uh, pronounce you clean so that you could get on with your life you could get back to your family i mean imagine you're out in this disgusting little camp outside you all you can do is is uh get alms remember we talked about the beggars they couldn't even look up that's what it means to be poor in spirit they have no way of earning a living and you're just thinking i just want to get back to my family you start fantasizing about grabbing your kids and holding them in your arms again and that you can't because they're just disgusting and all of a sudden you're walking and you're cleansed and you're like i know that once i get to that priest he's gonna say i'm clean and i can start my life over again but one guy caught it one guy when he said jesus master he knew it was all about relationship Something happened in his spirit that that made his relationship with God something different than those other nine. The other nine went out and it was just like, hey, let me get back to life. Now, I'm sure I don't blame the other nine. I've heard people preach on this and write on this of all those other nine were ungrateful. I really seriously doubt they were ungrateful, right? You just get healed of leprosy and you're just like, I could have done that. You know, I I was just about to get healed. No way. No, they were excited to get back to their lives. They were excited to go see their wife and kids and their relatives and get back to the job. And they were excited that God did a miracle. See, back then, if you had leprosy, everybody thought God was judging you. It was divine judgment. Matter of fact, any ailment. I mean, the Pharisees had it completely backwards. Remember when Jesus healed the blind man? And the disciples even were like, hey, Jesus, who, who sinned? This man or his parents? Like, why is, you know, God must be judging them. And Jesus said, no, neither of them. I'm, this is so that God's glory will be demonstrated. And so, th- so the people saw them as sinners, So now, not only are they healed, they know God did something. God's not judging me anymore for some reason. So we don't blame them. But this one guy comes back when he saw he was healed. That's a very big point there. When he actually saw, he looked down. Colossians chapter 4 verse 2 says, Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. 
That's relationship. That's when we're, when, when we pray in the morning or at night or whenever you pray, it's a relationship going, Lord, I want you to do this. And our eyes are wide open going, when's it going to happen? When's this person going to come to Christ? When is, when is this going to take place? And we watch and see how God moves. I don't know why God chose Kai's laptop to get stolen. But I can tell you this, I was not thankful at all. Didn't like it, didn't think it was good, was upset. Wanted God to destroy that person (laughs) while preserving the laptop at the same time. (laughs) I hadn't quite worked out all the details of how it was going to happen. But it was something was going to, he was going to get zapped, throw the laptop, and I'd be walking along and, whoa, here it is. Wow, this is great. That's kind of what I had going on. But, uh, right, I wasn't watchful. When I was praying, I was angry. Like, man, Lord, what in the world? We need to be watchful. We need to be thankful even when things are going horrible for us. Why? Because God is going to do something. With his children, he does something through the bad and the good. We know that all things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. So this guy, he sees he's healed, he's watchful, and he's thankful, and he comes back praising God in a loud voice. This is really cool. Remember, they cried out in a loud voice when they asked uh, for pity. It's a different Greek word for loud voice. I don't mean to get all crazy on you guys, but it's just as loud as they could do it. They all cried out in a loud voice. This Greek word, I, I promise, is megaphone. It's where we get our word megaphone. So he cries out in the loudest voice he can get to say, Jesus, Master, have pity on me. But once he's healed, his praises become like a megaphone. And this sheds some light on my Christian walk for me this week. I want my relationship with Jesus to be louder now than it was when I first met him. You know, David says it this way, bring, bring back to me the joy of my salvation. David, David wants a sense of God that's so real, it was like he just had leprosy and he was just healed of it. That's, that's what he wants his relationship with God to be like. Don't you want your relationship with God to be like that? Don't you want it to be louder today than it was yesterday? Don't you want your praises when you praise him, when you're reading the word and the truth comes, you just... Your soul just shouts out. David writes all about this. I want to read some of the things that David writes. He says, I I will give thanks to the Lord according to his righteousness. Let me tell you something. When you give thanks to the Lord according to the standard of his righteousness, that's a lot of thanks. You have a lot of stuff to be thankful for. That's what he says, according to your righteousness. He's got a standard, meaning I could thank you all day long. And I will sing praise to the name of the Lord Most High. Psalm 28, 7. I'll slow down since I don't have these written down on the outline just in case you're writing them down. Psalm 28, 7. P-S-A-L-M. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him and I am helped. Therefore, my heart exalts. That's megaphone praise. And with my song, I shall thank him. Psalm 34. 30 verse 4, sing praise to the Lord, you his godly ones, and give thanks to his holy name. Psalm 30, 12, that my soul may sing praise to you and not be silent. 
for some of us church and for me at times during all sorts of times during the day or during the week my soul is silent to god it's not a megaphone praise it's not a megaphone thank you i start to it's like i've gotten healed and my, my life has started over again with my kids. And I, the first day, I'm like, I can't believe I'm here. I'm back, guys. Honey, I'm kissing my wife. This is great. And then week two. Hey, honey, did you make that sandwich I wanted? Right? It just starts to get into life as usual. Instead of that constant po- poverty in spirit going, thank you, Lord. So this guy comes right back. Right back once he knows that he's, that he's uh, healed. Now, why is it important that he comes right back? Well, first we talked about that he was able to leave the, his life for a second to go back to acknowledge God. But secondly, and one of the things we talked about last week, he connected all that emotion of what was going on and he placed it before God as an offering. Uh, some people, and I've been in, in churches and listened, been under uh, pastors and listened to many tapes, emotions can be dangerous, right? Because you don't, you don't want us to be an emotional church because soon we're all swinging from the chandeliers and doing crazy stuff and picking up snakes. And, you know, it becomes too crazy because it's too emotional, right? Let me tell you, God says to worship him in spirit and in truth. God gave us our emotions. That's why he says... We shout joyfully. That's why he says mourn. That's why we can come to him angry. Because when we come to him, what we're giving him is us. We we do it as an offering. You say, man, but to be angry? Yes, we just come before him. Just like I want my kids to come before me and say, it's not fair. So that we can work through the fact that, yes, daddy's always fair. (laughs) Always fair. Now go to your room. No, right? So we work that part of us out. God wants us. Listen, when you begin to feel an emotion this week, offer it before God. Say, Lord, I'm so excited about this raise. Lord, thank you. Or, Lord, why did my laptop get stolen? (laughs) Why did Kai's laptop get stolen? Bring it before him. Offer yourself wherever you are. He can handle it. Here's what uh, I, I want us to see. Um, yeah, uh, no, I'm sorry. I got lost. Anyway, let's move on. So he throw, oh, that's it. Yeah. He's all emotional and he throws himself at Jesus feet. It says in verse 16, he throws himself. That's what God wants. He wants you. See, the leper has nothing. He didn't have anything. He just got healed of leprosy. He didn't have time to go home. He just took himself. Remember, Jesus, master, he offers everything he has. He throws him at Jesus' feet. Now, think about this. Now, later on, Jesus says, this guy's a foreigner. The word they use for foreigner is a beautiful word. It was on the outside of the temple for the court of Gentiles. It was the only place the Gentiles could go. This Samaritan was only allowed in the court of Gentiles if he were to go back to his Jewish roots. Okay, that, that's where he was allowed. Where is he now? He's at the feet of Jesus. He's right before the living God. 
The veil's been ripped before the veil got ripped. It says in Psalm chapter 104, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. This is exactly what this guy's doing. He's going before God. He's he's broken through the Holy of Holies and he's right there at the feet of Jesus. Cleansed. That is the picture of salvation, church. Right there. Right there. A guy who had nothing. Spiritually dirty, disgusting, is a new creation and has this relationship with God. Amazing. Amazing. So Jesus goes on. Luke mentions that he's a Samaritan. Remember, we've talked about this before. That is not what Jews want to be reading in the book of Luke, is that he was a Samaritan. They want to leave that out. They didn't get along. Jews at that time uh, were racist. Samaritans at that time were racist, okay? Us at this time are racist, okay? It's a sin that continues on, as I'm not just pointing it out on them. But Jesus makes this, he, he goes in and he asks these three questions. He says, we're not all cleansed. Here's this guy. Jesus is sitting there. I don't know if the guy had his arms wrapped around Jesus' legs or not, but he's there, cleansed. I mean, you'd just be going, No way, I just saw that guy's ear fall off like a half an hour ago, and now here he is. And so, (laughs) sorry, Nate. So he says, Jesus is sitting there. Here's the guy. He says, we're not all ten cleansed. Like, didn't didn't my power work? Oh, it's like he's asking these these rhetorical questions. Oh, only you were healed? Ah, I I guess I'm not a very good shot. I thought I hit all ten of you, but I guess I only hit one. Then he says, where are the other nine? And then he asks, was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Now we're going to go through these three questions real quickly, but I wanted to get to the foreigner part because this was a big, big, big deal. When Jesus started his ministry in this book, Luke, uh, you can turn to that. It's Luke chapter 4. I don't know where it is in my notes, to be honest. I, I thought I had it. Yeah, verse 22. Look at verse, Luke verse 22. It says, All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. Isn't this Joseph's son, they asked? So they're going, man, how can this dude talk like that? He has no, he's Joseph's son. I saw, I remember when he was this big. I remember when he was cutting wood for his dad and he couldn't cut in a straight line. This guy, Joseph's son? Now look at verse 28. All the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. They got up, drove him out of town, and took him to the brow of the hill. (laughs) That's six verses. What in the world did Jesus do in six verses that got everybody so upset? Well, what he did was, when they were all marveling at who he was, he said in verse 23, Surely you will quote this proverb to me, Physician, heal yourself. Do you hear in your hometown what we have heard uh, that you did in Capernaum? And they did say that to him. Then he says, this is what got him, verses 24 through 28, or through 27. I tell you the truth, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. I assure you that there were many widows in Israel in Elijah's time when the sky was shut for three and a half years and there was severe famine throughout the land. Yet Elijah was not sent to any of them, none of these Jewish widows, but to a widow in Zarephath in the region of Sidon. 
And there were many in Israel with leprosy at the time of Elisha the prophet, yet none of them was cleansed, only Nahum the Syrian. I don't, if I were there, I'd be like, no, yeah, that's totally, I read that in the Old Testament. Why did they get so upset? Because salvation wasn't supposed to come to anybody else. And so Jesus mentions two stories. I'll go over them very briefly. The first was Elijah. There has been a famine for three and a half years. People were starving. There were many widows in the area. And Elijah doesn't go to the Jewish widows. He goes to a a, a Gentile widow. And she's got nothing, nothing, except enough ingredients to make one scone, one little biscuit. And she notices that Elijah is a man of God. And she says, Take it all. She's poor in spirit. She says, you got everything. Master, I give it all. It wasn't that just he was a man of God. It was that he was a man of God and she believed she needed to give everything to God. And so she does. And she gets in return two things. Well, three things. One was a little thing of oil that never ran out. Wouldn't that be cool? Be like pouring, you know, once more. It's like the, it's like the feeding of the 5,000. That would just be cool to me, to have a little thing of oil. Yeah, pour out as much as you want. Go ahead. Oh, my goodness. How does that happen, you know? And then she gets a thing of, of, of uh, flour that never runs out. Imagine how much, you know, that, what do you make that plaster of Paris with the kids, with the flour and the, yeah, you could make a lot of those with flour that never runs out. And she has her son healed. Three things she gets. Why? Because it was master. She gave him everything. But she was a Samaritan. And this upset the Jews. They didn't like that story. You, you, have a fr- you ever have a friend you haven't seen for like 15 years? And he shows up and he's with your new friends? And he's like, remember when you were in the Vons parking lot? And you're like, shh, don't tell him that. They don't tell that story. It's stories you about your life you don't want anyone else to know. You ever have that? That's what Jesus was. Jesus was that friend right now. Remember that widow? They're going, shh, don't tell the story about that widow. Then he talks about Naaman. This guy would go into Israel and raid raid Israel. He was a a soldier. They hated him. And he had leprosy. He actually went in and took somebody's daughter from Israel to go serve his wife. This guy was an idiot. And the girl said, oh, I wish you didn't have leprosy. You should go see a man of God. And so he sends for Elisha. You have to read it. It's awesome. It's in 1 Kings. I don't know what chapter. So read all of 1 Kings and let me know when you get to it. I think it's 17. Okay. So Elisha comes and says, go dip yourself in the water in the Jordan River seven times. And you'll be healed of your leprosy. And Nahum goes, no, are you kidding me? In that dirty river? There's way cleaner rivers in Damascus. And one of his servants goes, dude, you want to be clean or not? You better just do what he says. He goes in the Jordan River, he dips seven times, and he's clean. Why? He had to humble himself. He had to become poor in spirit. He had to say, all the stuff I got, back at he was, he was, he was wealthy, all the stuff I got, the river I got, I got nothing. I'll go ahead and do what you say. And it says his skin became like a newborn baby. I'd love that. I'd love to get rid of some of this hair, right? <laughs> that would be awesome. So here's three questions that Jesus asked that I want to ask us this morning. 
See, Jesus doesn't care if you're a leper. He doesn't care if you're addicted to gambling. He doesn't care if uh, uh, you're gay. He doesn't care if he wants you healed. He wants to enter relationship with you. He doesn't care if you have a lot of money. He doesn't care if you go to church. He cares about your heart. Jesus wants to do a work in your life. And if you know him, he wants to do a deeper work in your life. He wants you to have megaphone praise. If you don't know him, he wants you clean. He wants you to be a new creation. So he asked three questions. One, we're not all ten cleansed. Didn't, didn't my saving work meet the ten? Well, the obvious answer to that question is yes, all ten were cleansed. And, and we as a church, as I look out, are a pews filled with cleansed people who know Christ and have a wonderful relationship. But Jesus is asking, where, where are they? Where are you in this process? And, and I, I'd ask myself the same question. Where am I with Jesus this week? What, what, what does it look like? I've been cleansed. Am I on my way to the priest? Am I just going to skip the priest altogether and go home? <laughs> I'll bet some of them did that. Like, oh, okay, I know he, I, I'm cleansed. I'm just going to swing by home and then I'll head over to the priest and be declared clean. Where are you? Did God's healing, what did God's healing touch heal you from? The second thing is, why aren't you at the feet of Jesus? I ask myself that. Again, this isn't a pastor coming down on church sermon. This is, this week, am I at the feet of Jesus? Has the healing really happened? Am I really forgiven of my sins? Then where am I? Why am I not at his feet? Why am I chasing after something else? Why am I online looking for uh, some new way to make myself happy with, you know, something I can buy or, you know, whatever, a house or what if this happened or what if this happened? Why am I not at the feet of Jesus? He asks, we're not all cleansed. Where are the other nine? They should be here in relationship. I would just encourage us, church, this week, we're going to uh, enter into a smaller, uh, a, a slower time of worship. And um, if the worship band wants to return, they, they can. I, I have just a little bit to go, and you guys can get up here while I'm talking about that. Where are the other nine? See, I don't know what happened to the other nine. I would have been the other nine, I think. I would have been so stoked that I was cleansed that I wouldn't have gone back and said thank you. Because I see it in my own life already. But I need to ask myself. Then he says, Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? See, the foreigner got more, actually. See, not only did this Samaritan, the, the other Jews just went back to their religion, back to their safety. He, he couldn't enter into the the holy of, well, neither could the Jews, but he couldn't enter in anything other than that court of Gentiles. He got relationship with God. And that, church, is what we're looking for. That's why we come on Sunday morning. That's why we're in small groups. That's why we pray. 
That's why we shout with megaphone praise to people around us. We're salt and light, which we'll see after the Beatitudes. Because it's a relationship with Jesus. We are enough. We are enough.